is not fair or right. But you're wrong. You're always wrong. Because he never does you wrong. He loves you way too much to hurt you for no reason. If he does something in your mind, in your, in your life, he does it for a good reason. <clears throat> so God asks him, verse 9, Hast thou an arm like God? Canst thou thunder with a voice like him? <clears throat> Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency and array thyself with glory and beauty. I cast abroad the rage of thy wrath and behold everyone that is proud and abase him. And God says, have you got power like me? Can you actually speak and make things happen? Can, by the way, <clears throat> uh, see verse 11 there, cast abroad the rage of thy wrath and behold everyone that is proud and abase him. Job, can you abase everyone that's proud out there? Well, obviously no. But you know what God is saying? He does. And I think if we would think about that for a while, God does abase the proud, always. He stands against pride, always. Um, <clears throat> look on every uh, one that is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together and bind their faces in secret. Then when I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. God says, if you can do these things, then listen, you know what, Job, I'll bow down to you. I'll accept you. Okay, yeah, you can save yourself. Uh, you can do it. And then he goes on, and, and we're not going to look at it, because, but, but he talks about two animals, two huge animals, an elephant or, um, uh, an elephant or a, an, a hippopotamus or perhaps a dinosaur of some kind. Uh, there's a great debate over what kind of an animal he's talking about here, the, the two animals. But what he says to uh, Job is, he says, Job, can you bring him to, to, to heal? Can you make him do what you want him to do? Of course, Joe can't. But God not only can bring him to heal, but God created him with the word and can take his life with the word. And you see, the point God is making for Job here is this, right? You do not have the power to question me or go against me. You're a created being. We're not equal. We don't live on the same plane. You're my child, I love you, but Job, you don't have the right to go up against me and question me. And we don't. We don't understand that, that God is God. He is far above us. He's far above us in power. He owns everything we have. He owns us. He's in charge of it all. And he can do what he likes and nobody can stop him. But because he's good, and because he's love, and because he's almighty, we know that he always does the right thing in our lives. But we don't have the right to go up against him. When God steps into your life and does something, you don't have the right to go up against him. Now skip over to chapter 42. For me, this is the good part of Job, the book of Job, right? <clears throat> this is Job getting it. He understands. He gets it. He buys in. And this turns the whole thing. I, <clears throat> then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. Isn't that interesting, the wording there, everything and not anything? Because you can do every, God can do everything. There's nothing that God can't do. I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Do you know the thoughts of your mind can't be withholden from God? He knows them. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered what I understood not. Things too wonderful me which I knew not. 
Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. What's Job doing here? He's humbling himself completely before God. I repent in dust and ashes. Now remember, he's a righteous man. He's one of the good guys, if there ever was a good guy, because God said he was. But he says, I had no right to go up against you, God. I had no right to challenge you. I had no right to make the case for my righteousness and to try and make you look bad or try and make you bad so that I could be righteous. I had no right, Lord. And he says, wherefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. He gets it. He understands. He knows. Do you know the only position that you and I can take before God that's going to be acceptable to him or helpful to us is a position of humility. That's the only position that we can take before God. When you feel yourself raising up, your, raising up to your full height and you're going to talk to God man to man, you're wrong. Because you're not on the same plane. You're not on the same level. What happens is we get proud so easily. Job got proud. He was a good man. I feel for Job because his friends really were the instruments that pushed him. But I suppose like Jim Berg says, they couldn't have pushed out of him what wasn't in there. And obviously pride was in there, and it came out. And, and so Job stands up against God, and Job is going to demand of God, and Job is going to have God answer for himself. And God doesn't answer to any of us. He doesn't have to. He's God. He doesn't have to answer to us. He's God. And only when Job humbled himself and came to the place of submission before God could God bless him and take care of him? Let me read you a story. Um, <clears throat> fascinating story to me. <clears throat> uh, Cynthia and I were once close friends with a wonderful Christian family, a dad and mom and three sons. The oldest son was greatly gifted intellectually and musically. Along with being a fine young scholar, he was also a splendid violinist. Early in his high school years, the father had some trouble with the boy's spirit of submission. But you know how you'll do with your gifted children. You'll give them room. You cut them a little too much slack. A proud streak accompanied the boy's independent spirit. Upon graduating from high school, uh, the young man chose a prestigious school on the West Coast, very expensive, but an excellent university known for its academics. The physician father paid the full tuition. And the boy began his first year many miles from home. Wasn't long before the kids started running with a rough, tough crowd. He continued his music, musicianship, played violin in the school's orchestra, and did well academically. But while he was out there, he cultivated an even more surly, rebellious spirit. After completing his freshman year, he returned home, bringing his proud independence with him. Wasn't long into the summer before his mom and dad and the two younger brothers realized they had a, a real hellion living under their roof. Uh, the conflicts intensified. His arrogant, stubborn, and mean-spirited attitude disrupted the family harmony. Late one afternoon, the father had had enough. He called the boy into his study, and he closed the door, and he pointed to a large leather chair and said firmly, sit down. He then delivered a speech the boy would never forget. Everything you own is mine. I bought every stitch of clothing you wear and everything that hangs in your closet. Your car out there on the driveway is mine. I paid for it. 
The money in your pocket came from my account. I want you to empty your pockets and your wallet on my desk. Leave everything that is mine in this house, and I want you to get out. Leave all your clothing, give me the car keys, and oh, by the way, also leave your violin. I bought that instrument too. You leave everything that you have been using, which I am now claiming. You may keep the clothes on your back and the shoes on your feet, but that's it. There's the door. Leave now. When you decide to change your attitude and come back into this home as a family member with a cooperative, submissive spirit, you need to know we will accept you and will welcome you back as part of our family. But not until. I love you and always will, but you're not the boy we raised and I'm not putting up with it one minute longer. That's tough, isn't it? But he was right, wasn't he? He actually owned it all. None of it was the kids. The father told me that the boy stood in his feet, put all his money on the desk, walked out the door. Pride will do that for you, by the way. <laughs> uh, he put everything on the, uh, walked out the door and left everything without saying one word. He proudly walked to the sidewalk out front, took a left, and got about three blocks down the street. The dad then added, he got a liberal arts education between the front door of our home and the curb almost three blocks away. He said he stood there motionless with his hands in his empty pockets, thinking everything through as night was falling. He thought about all he would be facing, the street life he knew nothing about, and everything he was leaving, all the things back home he needed and longed for. He remembered his father's strong rebuke and also his promise to accept him back with an attitude of repentance. When it was almost dark, he turned around, walked back home with his head down, and knocked on his own front door. Dad opened the door with Mom standing near and the other boys behind her. Then came the words, I am wrong. I am sorry. I realize I need you, and I want all of you to know that I'm sorry I love you. They reached out and embraced him. Now, probably the brothers had been thinking, who's going to get his room? You know how brothers are. Uh, But as I recall the story that same evening, there was a big dinner together and great joy. His repentance changed everything. Do you know what Job finally realized? It's all about God, not me. Job got it. What does that mean? God's purpose is unfolding and I cannot hinder it. God's plan is incredible and I will not comprehend it. God's reproof is reliable and I dare not ignore it. God's way is best and I must not resist it. I wonder, have you come to the place in your life where you've realized that God owns everything? Everything. I mean, there's nothing that's yours. God owns all of it. The life that you carry, God gave it to you. The food you ate this evening, God provided. The bed you'll sleep in tonight, God provided. The vehicle you'll travel home in tonight, God provided. The job, the money, the clothes, everything belongs to him. Now you can fight with him about it if you like, but he'll always win because he's God. And he's in charge of all of it. And if he were to say to you to walk out with what's yours, you'd have nothing. And you say, that's kind of hard to take. I'm not sure I like that thought. I'm not, not sure I really enjoy that thought. I mean, I've worked hard to have the things I have. The point is this. You and I need to be in submission to God. We need to be in the place where we yield to him, where we let him have his way in our lives. There's no way that you and I can stand up against God and demand of God. There's no way that you and I can tell God he got it wrong. 
This is not fair. Go fix it, God. Oh, we can ask. We can come humbly to Him. But ultimately, we have to submit ourselves and accept God is right. He knows what He's doing. He always does. And when He works in your life, He's doing the right thing. Now, it's huge when we buy into that. You see, God can't. God won't work with us while there's a contention between us and Him. When we're complaining about what God is doing in our lives, we're not getting anywhere. When we're fighting with God because it's not fair, we're not getting anywhere. God wants us to come to the place of humility, to the place where we accept His working in our lives. Where we accept He has the right to do whatever He wants to do in my life. Which means that whatever comes down the pike in your life, He has the right to do. He has the right to do that in your life because He's God and you're not. See, that kid had forgotten something. That kid had forgotten, hang on a minute, I don't pay the bills here. I don't bear the strain, I don't pay the mortgage, I don't provide for the clothes, I don't do any of it. I'm not the dad here. And the dad had to remind him, I do. And I am. And if you're going to live like this, you're going to live outside this home, because it's my home. And that's a tough lesson, but you know what? That's a very helpful lesson for a kid to learn. And you see, the reason God gives us fathers is because he wants us to understand that we're not the boss. Ultimately, he wants us to understand that he is the boss, and we're not the boss. You see, you and I, we're not God. No matter how strongly we feel about things, no matter how right we think we we have it, we're not God. He's God. And He's in charge. And yes, Job was a righteous man, but you know, Job's righteousness didn't earn him the right to challenge God. He just got a bit above himself. It's so easy to do. So easy to be bent out of shape and upset because God is not doing right by you. Well, he is. He's just not doing what you want. And he always gets it right. And Job repents in dust and ashes. I abhor myself. I can't believe. I just can't believe I got so proud. I can't believe I challenged you. Oh, I'd heard about you. I knew something about you, but now I see you. I just can't believe I had such an attitude towards you. you know, it would be a wonderful thing if in some of your hearts there would be that change tonight. I can't believe that I've had an attitude towards you, God. I can't believe I've maintained my own righteousness and I've, I've treated you as doing me wrong. I just can't believe it, God. And what repentance does is repentance unleashes God to be God in your life. Remember the story of the prodigal son? It's kind of a similar story to our story of the boy, isn't it? Except the boy didn't go, he stayed. And the dad was clever, he didn't give him anything to go with, because if he had, he would have gone. Right? Remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son demanded half of all that was his. And so then he went and he wasted it in righteous living. And then he had no money left. And he was looking at the pig's will. And he's thinking, I'd love some of that to eat. And he thought, what am I doing? What am I thinking? What what, what have I come to? 
here I am, thinking I'll eat pig's will, and the servants in my father's house have plenty to eat. And so he said, I know what I'll do. I'll go back. And I'll tell my dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your servants and feed me, will you? He got it. He caught himself on. He understood. And so he went back and and before he ever got to say it, his father welcomed him home. Because God always welcomes us home when we come to the place of humility. Always. God won't deal with our pride. God won't accept our pride. God, God, won't, God won't look on your pride and say, yeah, I know, that's, that, that's just you, and I, I understand. He never does. Remember what he said? He, he said to Job, can you abase everyone that's proud? Can you bring everyone that's proud down? You know, we know some of the story because God tells us the story. But I wonder what would have happened in Job's life if he hadn't humbled himself at this point. I wonder what would have happened in Job's life if after this point he had continued going on and complaining about his ill-treatment with God. We wouldn't have the rest of this book, the sweet part of this book that we're going to read now in a moment. You see, you and I need to understand, God didn't get it wrong in my life. Has God thrown some difficult things into your life? Of course he has. That's what he does. If we were to do testimony tonight of what's the difficult thing in your life and you could be honest enough to actually say it, you know what? We'd find a room full of people that have spanners in the works in their lives. We'd find a room full of people that have lacks and difficulties and problems that they don't know how to deal with in their lives. We'd find a room full of people that need to come to the place humbly before God where they accept those things. Because he has the right to do those things in my life. And he knows best. And he loves me and he has the power to do it. That needs, we need to come to that place where we humble ourselves before him and accept it's right. You're right. You have the right and the power to do anything you want in my life. All right. Now the next part of it's good. Because the next part of it's justice. Remember those friends, those three friends that came and spent a week weeping? And then they spent who knows how long trying to prove that Job was wicked and he'd got some sin in his life that was hidden and he needed to get it sorted out. And they said all kinds of things and they, they maligned him and they maligned God. See what God says? And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, after Job had repented, after Job had uh, <coughs> abhorred himself and repented in dust and ashes, after that, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. I, <clears throat> I'm upset with you guys, because you haven't spoken about me the thing that is right. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and rams, and go unto my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a, burning, a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken for me the thing that is right, like my servant Job. Well, isn't that wonderful? Job could have fought these guys and defended themselves till the cows come home, and it never would have worked. They never would have given in. They never would have uh, bowed. They never would have said, okay, Job, sorry, we got it wrong. You're right. But you know what Job does? Job gets right with God. And God sorts out the situation. 
It's amazing how often that happens. When you actually submit yourself to God, you let God into your situation to sort out the situation. Remember Moses uh, with Aaron and, and his sister? Remember, remember when they, they, they went after Moses and Moses said nothing? God stepped in and God dealt with it. You know, defending yourself is a mug's game. You're never going to be able to defend yourself and get it right. You're never going to be able to say enough about yourself to, uh, to prove to people where you're at. It's a mug's game. And you know what? Like with Job, very often, when you start defending yourself, you're just going to get drawn into carnality. So don't defend yourself. Leave it to God. Let God step in and let God deal uh, with the situation. And that's what God does. So God says to these guys, you're wrong, he was right, now you go to him and you, you ask him to offer a sacrifice for you uh, and sort out your situation. I, look, I'll bet that was sweet to Job. Wouldn't you think that was sweet to Job? I mean, he'd argued and argued and argued with him and gotten nowhere and God now puts his stamp on it and makes it right. And so, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so Eliphaz the Tamanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job, so he accepted the sacrifice for them. Now look at verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. See, here's the thing. We look at Job's life and we look at the fact that he lost everything. And we're grieved at our hearts. You know, and we feel that loss. Because we might not have much, but we would feel it if we lost it. It's important to us. It's precious to us. It's security to us. But do you know it's nothing to God? Absolutely nothing to God. That God can give you all that he wants you to have in a heartbeat. That God can take care of you. It's nothing to him. Money, camels, oxen, nothing to God. You and I see those things as being huge, and we look at all the means we have of making them happen and what we're going to do and how we're going to make them happen and so on, and we get all tangled up in those things, and really they're nothing to God. You see, when God went after Job, he didn't want his camels, and he didn't want uh, his possessions, and he didn't want his kids. You know what God wanted? God wanted Job. Do, Do you know that God made Job much more valuable than anything he had? And he went after him because he was valuable to him. And he worked him over because he was valuable to him. And do you know when God starts working in your life, it's because he values you. When God starts dealing with you, it's because he values you. It's because he's put a price on you. Not a price of your merit. Not a price because you're good. Not a price because of anything in you, essentially. But God's put a price on you because he values you. And when he takes something from you, something precious, when he takes something from you, he takes it from you because he loves you and he wants to do something greater in your life. Now, if we get our head around that, we'd be greatly helped. When God doesn't give me something, or when God takes something from me, it's not because he can't, And it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he wants to do a work in my life. See, the question for Job was, what are you going to do, Job? Are you going to get bitter? 
they can just get bitter about this. You know, you don't have what you want in this area now. I gave you a lot, and then I took it all away, and now you're sick, and you're sad, and you're sorry. And are you just going to get bitter, Job? Yeah, he 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 could have, couldn't he? And the boys, I mean, they would have helped him. But when God deals with them and God goes after him and goes after his heart, instead of getting bitter, he repents and he humbles himself. And so God says, oh, by the way, here's twice what you had before. Because it means nothing. Think when Job went down after his, and looked over his camels in the field. He would think, yeah, I'm set now. I'm secure after this. Now, his camels and his oxen and his asses, they didn't make him secure now. You know what made him secure? God. Do you know where your security and my security is? It's in one place only. It's in God. And if it's not there, you don't have any security. There's not enough money in the world that you could put in the bank to make you secure. It's impossible. You can't uh, hold on to your health. You can't hold on to your children. You can't hold, hold on to any of the things that are valuable with money. But when God steps into your life and deals in your heart and deals in your life and you humble yourself, then your security is in Him. Because he's promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's promised, I will take care of you. I will be there with you. He's promised, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's promised to take care of you. When you are right with him and you have him in your life, you have everything you need. You don't need the things. You have him. You have all that you need. And he can spin off things like they're nothing. In fact, they don't really count with God. It's like they're trinkets. It's like they're baubles that don't really count. They just become things he can use in our lives to help us and draw us closer to him. So let me ask you, we're going to close early tonight. Let me ask you a couple of questions here, right? Where are you in your walk with God right now? Has God... Is God asking something of you or has God taken something from you or is God denying something to you? And you have to say, I've been feeling it's not fair. I've been feeling that's not fair. I've been feeling God's not treating me right. I've been feeling, you know what? Uh, God needs to do right by me. Have you? If you have, you need to repent. You don't need to be soothed and comforted. You need to repent. You're blocking God's blessing in your life. I'm not saying he's going to give you what you're asking for, but you're blocking his blessing in your life by an attitude that says, you're not treating me right. You need to get over yourself. You're not God. He is. And we need to be in the place of humility before our God, before God can actually step in and help us. Let me ask you another question. Are you making too much of things? Are you making too much of things in your life? Can't we do that? Can't we get caught up in things? Isn't it so dangerous 
for us to have things because our security can rest in things. Bible says, trust not in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us all things richly to enjoy. And it's very easy for us to come from trusting in the living God to trusting in the things that he gives. And then, because he loves us and because he values our hearts, he has to go after us and unravel things. And that's painful. But it's necessary. Because you're way too valuable for God to let you be carried away with temporary things, uncertain riches. God steps in and begins to deal in your life. Are you trusting in things? Do you think the things in your life are your security? Is that what you find your comfort in? When you go to bed at night, do you think, well, I have a few bob in the bank, I'll be okay. Do you think, well, I've got a good job, you know, I'll be fine. Well, I've got this and I've got that and I've got the other. God says, don't trust in those things. Trust in me, I'm the living God. I give you all things richly to enjoy. See, there's always two choices on the table for us. It's trusting God or trusting self. Always two choices. We're we're always going to trust in one or the other. And you know, when we fail to trust in God, what happens is we bring all kinds of difficulty into our lives. Now Job was a righteous man. He he was a commendable man because God commanded him. But you know what? When God went after him, he used things, and he used his health, and he unraveled Job's life. Because he wanted to unravel, unravel Job and get to the hard spot in his life and, and deal with that. You know, God still does that. He can unravel our lives because he wants to get to us. He wants to change us because we're that valuable to him. And not one of us is going to say in eternity, Oh, I wish God had treated me better. Whatever you're dealing with today, you're going to find was essential. Just get on the right side of it. Get on God's side of it. Humble yourself. Accept it. Get on God's side of it. And the last point is this. God has blessings for you because that's who he is. He's a God that blesses. It's just his very nature to bless. God has blessings for you that he wants to pour out on you, that he wants to bestow on you. But if you're going to know his blessings in your life, you're going to have to humble yourself. If you've got a contention going on with God and you're fighting with God over something, he can't bless the way he wants to. Get out of the way and let God bless. Oh, listen, are there going to be tough times? That's part of life. But can there be real blessing? Yes. But it hinges upon us humbling ourselves before our Heavenly Father and saying, you're God and I'm not. And you have the right to do what you like in my life. And I have no option but to accept it. But I trust you that you'll love me and that you will do me good. And when you're in that place of humility, you're in the place where God can pour out blessings on you. Not of your choosing, of his choosing, but he can pour out blessings.